Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. Guys, I have with me today career consultant and resume writer, Colleen Paulson. Uh, beginning with her career as an engineer and then a production manager and pricing analyst for two Fortune 50 companies, Procter & Gamble and FedEx, it is safe to state that Colleen is an expert in career pivots. Colleen launched her writing business in 2006 and has served a wide range of corporate clients, including The Motley Fool and Investopedia. She has written that written and reviewed thousands of resumes during her work as a resume writer and an MBA admissions consultant for Carnegie Mellon University. So Colleen, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I am a fan of your content on LinkedIn. I just came across it really in the last year, but I've really enjoyed uh, our conversations back and forth on uh, on LinkedIn. Yeah, no, thank you. thank you so much for having me. I've been a fan of yours for a long time and Honestly, I've been a little shy about posting on LinkedIn. So that's probably why you never saw me before, because I have really only started posting probably the last 18 months. Well, it's, you know, and it's it's nerve wracking to just to get started. I, I always tell people, go ahead and start by commenting, you know, reading and then commenting. And I feel like that's a really good way to find your voice. And then um, and then you can begin posting, but don't feel like you need to immediately jump onto the thought leadership bandwagon. That's probably what I should have done. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you heard me read the bio, but I would love for you to share a bit about your own story and, and how you came into the career and job search space. Yeah, so that's a great question. I, you know, a lot of people ask me, especially because I started in engineering, how did I get into this space? So, um, it, you know, Figured out kind of early on that engineering, you know, I enjoyed working with people. And so um, ended up deciding to go back to MBA school and really focusing on, you know, the business aspects of the work that I was doing previously with P&G. Mm -hmm. And then um, worked for FedEx and you know, got to a point where I was, you know, honestly, 17 years ago, I, I had my first daughter and I thought, I don't want to work full time. I really want to be flexible. And so um, I quit with no plan, which probably wasn't the best thing to do. But in fact, it worked out okay for me because I just started researching and ended up in freelance writing, even though I hadn't taken any kind of writing class since high school. But I was on the high school newspaper. I loved writing, but I, you know, so, so I, I had those skills someplace and, um, just started freelancing for The Motley Fool and then ended up seeing a job posting for resume writing. And I was like, well, that sounds kind of cool. And, you know, really it works for me because I love business. I love hearing about the work that people do and I love telling their stories. So it, it works for me. And I know a lot of us kind of, and, it, you know, no one, no one graduates and says, wow, I'm going to be a resume writer. I'm going to be a yeah. You kind yeah, of, most people, most of us don't know that that was a thing. Exactly. It's so funny. It, it is. And, you know, I, so it's, it's kind of a neat place to end up and um, yeah, I love it, but it's, it, it takes a while to kind of move into that space. That's for sure. Well, you know, I did a bunch of freelance writing as well online. I wrote for um, 
travel.com, fitness.com, health.com, all these really cool things. Of course, I never got to travel anywhere, but I got to write about it. <laughs> no, it, well, writing is awesome. It's a great way to get started. Every, no, I couldn't agree more. I'm very grateful that the internet exists now because you're right, you know, 20, 30 years before that, that wasn't even an option. Um, well, one of the reasons that I was so excited to have you on as my guest is that I wanted to talk about the, you know, chat about the topic of ageism and job search. You write about that a lot. Um, and specifically, I wanted to talk through sort of some of the challenges facing those who are, you know, Gen X, maybe younger baby boomers, and maybe even older millennials now, right? Um, I work with a lot of the, that age. I'm, I am, I am a solidly in the Gen X generation. Um, so, you know, my peers are facing, are beginning to face those challenges. Yeah, no, I'm there too. I'm Gen X and I can't believe that we're actually talking about us being old enough to face ageism. That's insane. Yeah. But that's, I yeah, well, that, well, that's where we find ourselves and that's okay. That's right. No, you're right. It's a rite of passage nobody wants, but you, you can't avoid it. So, um, so what, what do you see as sort of a couple of major challenges facing older job seekers right now? Right. So, you know, with the clients that I talk to, a lot of the the big issues, it, it's pay. You know, people want to be paid fairly. And so when you get to a certain level in your career, I think, you know, clearly you don't want to take a pay cut to do the same work. And so what folks find, at least my clients are finding difficult, is getting paid what they're worth. And so you know, I even wonder sometimes if ageism is the right name for it. And, I, and I'm brainstorming to come up with a better term for what for what I'm seeing folks facing. So, you know, sometimes it's really just trying to find the right role, the right fit, getting paid, and then also confidence. I think you get, you know, you hear the term ageism and you you start to think, wow, like maybe I, you know, do I still have it? Like what, you know, and, 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 you know, sometimes my clients will find themselves in a spot where they turn 50 and they're like, I used to get calls all the time. And now I put this resume out there and no one wants to talk to me. And so it's, it's kind of figuring out like what worked in your thirties might not work in your fifties anymore. Right. And it's, and, you know, then the question becomes, well, is it is it ageism or is the way that I am going about job search what, what worked exactly. 30 years ago? And I right not right now. I think about even resumes I wrote 15 years ago that killed it back then would not do very well today. You know, things continue to evolve. Well, that's right. And, you know, that's a great point, because when we, you know, I started writing resumes around that same time. And back then, you know, it we were looking at what kind of paper we used. Oh yeah, you need to have right. Like, that's know. right. <laughs> no, it's crazy, right? Like today, you know that that's not even on the radar screen. That's not even something we think about. But we did, you know, coach our clients around, you know, paper quality and things like that. And LinkedIn was around, but it wasn't the same. And so, oh my gosh, you could slap up a profile and you were considered cutting edge, you know. And now, that? right, it's different exactly. Now. No, you're right. And the confidence piece is so big. And um, especially when you've been laid off um, and, and I'm seeing a lot of older folks laid off, I guess in part, maybe it goes back to the pay and and payroll is one of the biggest ways companies can save money. So it, it makes sense that they're letting go of people that cost more, right? 
Right. And, but then when you, you're exactly right, that, that layoff, it hurts. And, you know, I, I'm talking with folks that have been with the same company 15, 20 years, never needed a resume, didn't keep a LinkedIn profile updated, you know, and now it's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea where to get started because I just never needed it. And I never, and a lot of them, a lot of people don't think they're ever going to need it because they still have, you know, they have no desire to go. They think that they're going to be okay and then wake up and find themselves in a spot that, you know, right. You're right. A lot of them are, you know, people don't start having kids until their 30s. The, the, the time the layoffs hit, you're in prime expensive kid mode. So absolutely right. they, they they're not they're not ready to to ride off into the sunset just yet. So what advice do you give to someone who is thinking about launching a job search right now when they're inching toward or have, you know, hit that milestone birthday? Yeah. So, you know, one thing to really keep in mind is it, the job, so a typical job search is, is five months. That's the statistic that's out there. Is Okay. That's what I've heard is that just a regular job search is five months. And if you're, you know, if you're, if you're looking for an executive level role, then it's probably going to be longer than that. So you might be looking at six months or 12 months, depending on the type of role you want. Maybe you could find a side gig or something in the meantime, but it's really like just keeping it, you know, being patient. And it, and again, everyone's in a different spot. Like some people, they like, they need a job to pay the bills, right? So they're looking to find something as soon as they can get it. And they're, they, they have to find it because they need to pay the rent. Then you have other people who can afford to be a little bit more patient mm-hmm. for that executive role. And so, you know, it's really just keeping in mind that, it, it, you know, you, listen, we all hear those stories on LinkedIn. Like I found a job in a month and, and that happens, right. Right? It, but it's not, it doesn't happen all the time. And so, you well, really- and for everyone who gets a job in the month, there's that person that got the job in, um, in 10 months, which makes the, the average five months, right? Yeah, that's exactly no. That's so, exactly it. no, that's that's it. Perfect. That's it. Is that you're right though? And and depending on your deal breakers and your timeline, your urgency, that will warrant how much patience you can afford to have or not have. Right. That is exactly it. So you have to decide for yourself. You know what what's most important to you. You know, do you need to find a job to pay the bills or? Can you wait a couple months for the better opportunity to come along? And then I have folks come to me and they're in a job right now, but they're so busy that it's hard for them to really carve out that time to look for a job, right? So you're in that busy executive role, you're like working 60 hour weeks, and then on the side, you're supposed to look for a job, but you're too busy and tired to look for a job. So it's kind of putting all that together and it, yeah, it can be very difficult. What advice do you have for that, the, that the people that fall into bucket number two, where they, they are employed and they are, they are, their time is, is so limited and, but they know that they, the writing's on the wall, they might be let go or they're miserable. How, how do you recommend they carve out that time? Yeah. So I think, you know, I think it's, just making it a priority and knowing, you know, whether it's on a weekend, unfortunately, or wherever that is, but it's really, you know, and, and one thing you can do maybe as a starter is updating your LinkedIn profile 
And then you know, you up your chances of opportunities finding you. And I know, you know, a lot of us who are, you know, approaching 50, over 50, you know, we're just not used to using LinkedIn as that kind of passive job search resource. But listen, I, I know I'm sure you've had clients. I've had clients who they update that that LinkedIn profile and you know, make sure that it's, you know, really those keywords are in there, those skills are are discussed, all those great results are highlighted. And then you know, those opportunities start finding them. And so, you know, if you if you are kind of starved for time, I would kind of start on LinkedIn and even spend like a half hour or hour there. And then kind of, you know, hopefully opportunities will start finding you and maybe it'll make it a little bit easier. Uh, no, that is a really good point. I, I I often have shared the analogy that I consider LinkedIn to be sort of like a needy, a needy boyfriend or girlfriend, and that the more time you spend there and the more stuff you use, the more the algorithm likes you. So if you're if your profile is complete, you're taking advantage of the skills, you are um, commenting on people's posts, you're making connections, the algorithm notices that. And so you are going to show up more in search. It's not just a matter of slapping a profile up. But those little bits of action take to your point 10 minutes a day. You know, that's that works out to be a little over an hour a week. And that helps it to work for you as a passive job search resource. And you're you're expanding your network along the way. Yeah. And I love the analogy, but that's exactly what it is. is yeah. that, <laughs> that worse, that's kind of pay attention to it. Yeah. Don't you see me? But but yes. where you are in life, like. You know, it, it, I mean, like clearly they're not going to, most folks aren't going to be on LinkedIn as much as we are. But if you just take time and fill out that profile, like let it work for you, you know, let, like, let LinkedIn do a little bit of the work for you. I love that. I love that. Um, so that is great advice for someone who um, is thinking about job search, right? Um, and they know they need to get started. What about someone who comes to you who, has been job hunting and it is not going well. How how do you help them to sort of regroup? Yeah, so I mean, it, if you have been looking for a job for several months and you're not finding anything, then it, it's time to change it up in some way. So, you know, I mean, uh, you know, obviously resume, LinkedIn profile, but you know, you have to rethink. You know, what are you looking for the right jobs? Are you looking in the right places? Are you looking at the right companies? You know, there's all of these factors to think through. So it's, you know, making sure your resume is targeted for those roles. Have you looked at the job description? Are you, you know, discussing all of those results? You know, it's because it could be any number of factors. You know, it could be that you're just not telling your story well on your resume. It could be that you're, you know, you're not confident going into the interviews and you're not sure how to, you know, you're not coming off well. And, and and that's another thing that's changed is the virtual interview process. You know, like oh my gosh, that's changed everything, right? Yeah. Well, we we had the navy blue suit, right? And that was what you wore. And you know, I I remember when I was in MBA school twenty years ago, like a green suit was kind of pressing that. You know, I mean, we were <laughs> we boss. That was what it was, and you know, you didn't want someone to make a decision like based on your attire. So you just went plain and that was what we did. And things have changed so much. So, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're not coming off well in virtual interviews or you're not really selling yourself in the way that, that you could be, you know, so there's a lot 
of things to really think about, you know, but, but I definitely wouldn't, you know, if, if I've been looking for two or three months without getting any, any hits at all, then you've got to kind of rethink, you know, the resume, am I, you know, am I looking for the right jobs? Am I looking at the right opportunities and just, you know, kind of regrouping? No, and in your point is, is important. There are lots of moving parts to job search. There's the resume, yes. there's the LinkedIn, there's the target, there's the interviews and sort of figuring out where, what point in that process you seem to be struggling. It can help you figure out where, where to make your move. Because if you're getting interviews and you're not getting to the second round, then it's not your resume, right? It's That's probably exactly the interviewing versus the other thing. And, and um, the, I, I, I don't, anyone's ever said to me about what you brought up about targeting the right companies, because, you know, pre-layoffs, people that targeted all, you know, the Amazon's networks and Google's of the world, those were a lot harder to land than, you know, the next tier down. And so depending on your urgency, you need to look at where you're looking as well as what kinds of roles you're looking at, right? Well, that's right. And I I just shared on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago, I have a client who she, um, she interviewed with Amazon. They found her on LinkedIn. They approached her. And basically she went through 10 rounds of interviews for this executive level role, only to find out that she didn't get the job like in a 30 second call. And that was it. No feedback, no nothing. Yeah. She estimates that she spent 90 hours between pre-work, you know, the interviews themselves. That, and, yeah. and she's very conscientious. So she was like, she was doing all the homework, everything, just because she was flattered. And if you wouldn't be, right. Right? well, if you want you want to give it your all, of course. She she wanted to give it her all. She was flattered. But you know, but but and that's you know, so this this kind of you know leads to you know, one thing I talked about with her is maybe a company like Amazon isn't where you want to go, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes you really need to think through, you know, well, and this is at any stage, but maybe especially for those of us who are, you know, approaching 50, it, it mm-hmm. you want about, is this where I'm going to be happy? Is this where I want to retire? Like, how do I feel about that? And, you know, it, 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 I get, you know, you want to make sure you're being compensated fairly and and that's a piece of it. But, you know, really thinking through that that culture fit and just does this fit with my values is, it, it, you know, it's definitely something, something to think about through the process. Oh, absolutely. And if you have assessed how much, how quickly you need to land, if you only have, you know, a few months versus the luxury of, of time, then you might need to expand the kinds of companies you're looking at. Absolutely. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So what, so I get my next question. I come across this challenge quite a bit. It is where people come to me and they're like, well, I, you know, I'm, I have lots of different skills. I can go in lots of different directions and I really don't want to you know, I don't want to pigeonhole myself, but it's because I like so many different things. What what do you do when you are when you come across people with those challenges, and how do you what kind of advice do you give them? Yes, yeah, so that's a great question. It, you know, and I think you know, I do tell those folks when they're thinking about opportunities to really think about that culture fit. But as far as like you know, narrowing down what kind of rule they're, you know, going to target, you, you know, maybe you want to think about what's in demand, you know, maybe that's one way to, to head it off, especially if, 
if you're kind of agnostic about, you know, what you do, right? Like some folks, they are a jack of all trades. And I know we hate to use that term, but, you know, maybe you, you know, it's thinking through like what kind of skills are companies looking for and how can I best, you know, fit that? So, you know, and, and maybe, you know, I don't know. It's tough because I, I I know for me personally, I've just gone all over the place because I enjoy different challenges. So I kind of get where they, where those folks were coming from, you know, like I like things. And so I get where, you know, there's that interest to kind of do the generalist sort of role. And so maybe, you know, I guess one way you could approach it is you can go in and start, you know, looking at jobs, looking at, you know, kind of just understanding what's out there first. And then, you know, thinking through, you know, where you want to be in five years and is this going to get you there? Well, and I like, I like the idea of factoring what's in demand because going back to the, you know, your original point, how quickly do you absolutely need to land? And if the answer is right away, then that's a factor that needs to maybe get bumped up to the top of the importance um, especially if you're agnostic. Some people say, well, I can do anything, but when push comes to shove, when you press them on them, they're like, this is what I would really like to do. And then you have to sort of balance that against what's in demand, you know, will it pay? Like all of those sort of deal breakers that you figured out. Yeah, I get it completely. I And that, yeah, I completely agree. What about, um, let's talk now the, the marketing collateral, the resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn that you and I write day in and day out. What what are some top tips that you would recommend to help older job seeker create these you know foundational career marketing materials? Right. So you know, I know it's hard for them. But <laughs> oh, yeah. you really want to stick to two to three pages. You know, I mean, for me. Two is great. I, I can get to three if I feel like that extra experience is going to help you, you know, to land that job, right? But I see resumes seven, eight, nine, ten pages, and it, it's like that's just too much. It's too much. So you're going to have to figure out what to keep and what to cut. And I know it's hard. I I get that it's it feels emotional. You don't want to do it. You know. You can put all of that in LinkedIn and it's okay, you know, but, but you're really going to have to to figure out what's relevant and, you know, what isn't. You know, another thing is graduation years. I was just working with a client yesterday and I, I delivered his resume and he's like, why aren't my graduation years on here? I think you forgot them. And I'm like, I didn't forget. <laughs> I'm like, they're just not there because I can't, you know, Unless you've graduated in the last five years, and even then that's iffy, but your graduation years do not need to be on your resume. Just for all- They're not relevant to the target. It's relevant if it's brand new and you're using the degree to make your move. Exactly. But otherwise, you know, if you graduated 30 years ago, it, it doesn't need to be there. It's just not relevant. And it's another piece of information that, you know, honestly can be used against you. Right. And so, you know, our job in creating resumes, you have to think about who the reader is. And so, unfortunately, the reader doesn't want to read a 10 page resume. You know, you got to think about how you're going to catch the reader's eye. And, you know, it's interesting. So I, I, 
I wrote a post on LinkedIn that kind of went viral about, you know, how to not age yourself. And the reason it, the reason I wrote the post was I was working with a client in her 60s and she had worked for General Electric, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's not as well, like GE today, I know it's not as big of a name, but, you know, anyone who worked for GE years ago, they had all that great training and everything else. It was That's just right. to start your, start yeah. your career. So she had that nowhere on her resume, not mentioned anywhere. And I'm like, well, where is it? And she's like, well, I just, you know, I, I don't want to look old. And I'm like, I get that you don't want to look old, but we can put that in without using years, you know, and, and we can do it in a way where it takes up two lines, but it just gives you, just rounds you out a little bit more, right? So it, you know, that felt relevant for what the kind of rules that she was looking at, you know, so you have to weigh all of that, but there's, there's ways and techniques that we can use to kind of show all of that great experience without aging you in the process. So one of the things that I do, and um, I'd love to hear if, what other ones you have, is that if I will create an earlier experience section, I will remove dates from that information. And to your point, I will just highlight in one or two lines why listing that role is relevant. Sometimes I don't list any details. I'll just like GE management training program. That's all you need to know that speaks volumes to certain things. But sometimes it's this is a skill I cemented. These are the clients I worked with. Um, so it gives me a chance to name drop. But that earlier experience section is a way to put relevant earlier stuff. Um, now, if you scooped ice cream at Baskin Robbins 30 years ago, that's not relevant. You don't need to include it, probably. Um, but your client's experience is. What other, what other ways do you help people to highlight some good stuff when it is so much older? So it it really just depends, you know, like sometimes I'll just do it as a career note, which is literally like at the end, just, you know, a quick note. Um, I sometimes, you know, depending on how strong experience is, I'll, I'll note it in the executive summary, you know, especially name dropping a GE. I may do that. It depends. It depends on, right. you know, what kind of rules the client's looking at, what kind of companies the client's targeting. And whether or not that experience is relevant to that, you know, so it, it, those are probably my biggest strategies is just, you know, really thinking through, does, is this relevant? Will the reader care that you did this, you know, and then if, if there, if it is important, then, you know, briefly mentioning it in the executive summary, like clearly it's not going to take up, a, you know, three lines, but right. you don't need the same amount of real estate that you devote to something three years ago, but you're right. Listing right. it up top shows that it's, that it's important, but I love you're always thinking about who's the reader. Will they care? Well, that's it. I mean, and that's, I think the hardest part for people to understand sometimes, right? Like, you know, and people can emotionally attach to all of that experience. Which of course. I yeah. It's your blood, sweat and tears, right? Yeah. I, I get it completely, but you know, in the end, your resume is a marketing document. And so you really need to be careful about what you talk about. And you you need to think about, you know, is again, is this relevant and will they care? I don't even think our own parents would look at our resume with a fine tooth. So. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Nobody has the time, right? The same way you don't read a, any sort of marketing document or brochure inside and out. You look you look at the highlights, you're because you're usually you're comparing it against lots of other similar documents, right? That's exactly it. That's exactly I mean, what do they say? Six seconds you have? 
to you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and what I found, I call it, I call it the rabbit hole phenomenon. When you, when people put dates and list earlier stuff, in addition to taking up extra space, I know I go in the rabbit hole of going, oh, I wonder if he knows this person and went to school with that person. I wonder, you know, just sort of start thinking about all sorts of side nonsense. And if you just have six, 10 seconds to make an impression, you can't afford for someone to go into the rabbit hole. And upsizing yeah, yeah. earlier stuff, making a brief reference in the executive summary that that keeps you out of there. Right. No, that's exactly it. That's a that's a great way to put it. Um, so let's talk about pitfalls um, and your advice for avoiding them. What are ones that you've, you know, one or two that you find common to to older Gen X or baby boomers that group? Yeah, so I think it's, you know. So part of it is not living in the past, right? Like, so you you want to make sure that you're presenting yourself in a relevant way with relevant, you know, so it, let's say you did start with GE, you know, 30 years ago, you're name dropping it, but you're not living there. And so you're, you know, you're really highlighting what you've done recently. You know, another thing is really thinking about a common theme, right? Especially if you've been in different industries, if you've done different roles, you know, it's thinking about well, what, you know, what have I delivered in these roles? And then kind of trying to, you know, piece it all together in a story that makes sense. And so, you know, coming up with, you know, real, showing real results, you know, telling your story in a clear way. And, you know, and then also just not, I think a lot of times people start to lose their confidence and, you know, maybe that's even the toughest thing of all, because once you lose your confidence, then you just, you, you do get into a pit and you do, it's hard to dig out. You know, it's, you know, there's a big difference between a job seeker who's like, yeah, I'm going to nail that interview. And, you know, I I have it all together. Like, and then someone who's just like, yeah, why would they want me anyways? You know, and and it's sad. It's it's a shame, but, you know, I, I really think that, You've got to you've got to have some cheerleaders in your corner to to help you because the job search it's hard no matter what your age is it can be very demoralizing you know even if if you currently have a job and you're looking it's just it can be really tough and so you've got to have people in your corner to kind of support you through that and help you to you know stay focused but also just to keep perspective that. This, you know, not finding a job, like it, it doesn't say anything about you as a person. So you've yeah. got to- It's, it's, it, it's a, a blip in your life at the end of the day. Yes. Probably will have spent more time working than looking for work. Um, but you're right. I agree. The job search is, is tough when people do it alone. Um, I'm a huge fan of job search clubs. There's so many that are free. There's job search accountability groups and- um, you know, studies show those people land faster when they've got that that support. You know, supporting good times and in bad, and then you can get back to others and do the same. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And it's never been easier with technology. It's never been easier to find those. That's people. right. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and I love your advice about sort of coming up with trying to identify a common theme to sort of thread together disparate roles in industries. Because I know when I listen to people's stories. They'll say, I'm such a job hopper. I've moved around. But at the end of the day, they time and time again sort of were brought in to do the same thing, build something, fix something, 
whatever it is, there's, there's that common story. And when you identify that and you write about each experience in that way, suddenly the themes are united and the, the story, the story flows. Right. And sometimes it's hard to do that for yourself. You know, I think yeah, you're too close to it. Yeah. Because you're too close to it and you're just, it's, it's very difficult. You know, you may, you may think in your head, well, the reason I switched jobs is X, Y, Z. And it, that reason doesn't even matter. Right. Like it's just, right. it's really trying to like step back and be objective about the work that you did and, and, and how to kind of put all of that together into a cohesive form. Absolutely. That's why I did not write my own resume. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> my own blood, sweat, and tears. No way. Um, so we've talked about sort of the struggles struggles that older workers have. What are what are some advantages that that we have? Well, network. You know, we've right. you've been working for thirty years. Like you know people. You know a guy. You know you know you have a friend, and so you've got to use that. And so and and use it. When I say use it, like you don't want to use people, but you want to use to have those reciprocal relationships and and let people know, like, listen, I'm I'm looking for a job. You know, if you hear anything, let me know. Because, you know, that's that really, you know, not only are you do you have support, but in people in your corner, but it's just it's it's such a smart way to kind of, you know, to it's a smart way to job search because, and then think about this, you know, we hear about all of your folks starting roles and they find out that, the, that it's not a good culture fit and they don't like the opportunity. Well, if you're finding jobs through your network, the chances of that, they, they're not completely eliminated, but it's definitely reduced because you have an in someone, you know, can tell you more about the role and, and you more about the company. So you have a better idea of what you're getting yourself into. Right. You get more intel, right? That's exactly it. And so, so network is like, we have, we definitely have the advantage for networks. And then also just experience, like we've lived and, you know, we've done different things. And so, you know, companies would be lucky to have you, you know, so you, you've got to like play that up and, and really, you know, have confidence that that experience will be valued by the right company. I agree. And, you know, I, to use the, the older term, LinkedIn is the best Rolodex on the planet because it also is, it's also a CRM, right? You can use filters, you can get data. And um, uh, we all had Rolodexes. Why not use LinkedIn? Um, and it's a great way to keep track of the people. And that by the fact of living longer, we know more people. Um you're right. And then the experience piece, we have been there and done that. And especially with what's going on now in the last two years, I feel like people, there's a lot of value in sharing how you can support a company during uh, good times and bad. Um, because, you know, it's it's really easy to, to show a growth story, but having, showing how you've helped the company when they're struggling, that's something that people are valuing right now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a great reminder to folks if they don't have on their resume right now, like how they help their companies through COVID, then they should put it because you like everyone did it in some way. But I over and over again, I see folks kind of just ignoring what they did and you know, kind of making it like routine. But, you know, March 2020, everything changed overnight. Right. And so that's right. Whatever you did to help your company through that, you've got to give yourself credit for it. 
Well, and then the great resignation, there were companies struggling obtaining talent and keeping, you know, keeping people happy and recruiting and all of those things. So look, the last two years have been whiplashed and it really is. There's some wisdom that has them, right? Um, So what are, I ask this question a lot. Let's say you're at a party and someone comes up to you and says, I need to go start a job hunt. What are one or two tools that I absolutely have to have? What would you say? You know, honestly, I would say number one is support. You really need to have people in your corner, whether, you know, whoever that is, whether you find a job search group, that's great. Whether it's, it's just, you know, friends or your spouse or whoever, but you really need support because it isn't easy. And, you know, that, and when you lose that confidence to me, it just, it's such a shame because it's so hard for you to market yourself in the job search when you don't even have confidence in yourself anymore. You're right. It it puts you into a deep hole. It's hard to dig out of. Yeah. And then I would say, you know, just keeping that patience of, you know, just that things are going to work out, you know, it's, it, you're going to have to, it's not going to be easy, but just like persevering through all of it and just understanding that, you know, you're going to land in a good spot. Just keep hope that it'll happen. You keep the faith. Yeah. I love that. Well, Colleen, Thank you so much for all of this. Tell me you have been very busy with your with your uh, private practice. What is next for you at, uh, in the next couple months of 2023? Anything exciting you want to plug while I have you? Yeah, no, I mean, I for me, I'm just going to keep plugging along with the resumes and executive bios and LinkedIn. You know, I, I enjoy what I do. I, I love talking to my clients and I love sitting down and kind of thinking about the work that they've done in a different way. So, so nothing else really exciting other than, you know, taking care of the kids and (laughs) plugging away. I love that. Well, if people want to connect with you, I have shared your LinkedIn profile on your bio and then also a link to your website, which is Colleen uh, Paulson, Colleen Paulson, MBA.com. Are those the two best ways to connect with you? Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. You have shared so many great insights. I I know that people will find it valuable. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun to talk through, and you know, I'm happy to you know answer questions that folks may have if they want to reach out. So, thank you. You've been listening to the Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.